Right, my name is Ron. Good evening to you all. Um, we are in a series looking at about engaging Christianity with our culture. And I've got two apologies to make before we begin, really. The first uh, is that it's going to be quite intellectual tonight. Um, but that's okay, because as I look around the room, I see some very clever people. Why am I looking at you, Stuart? I know why. Uh, and secondly, um, I've got these legs on show. Okay, but that's kind of what happens when you decide to wear shorts. So apologies, two apologies. So we'll just have a chat to the person next to you about uh, the questions, because what we're trying to do is help us work out what it is our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, the people in our family are saying about Christianity and give you guys some answers to some of that about why we believe what we believe. So have a think. What is it? What are the questions your friends are asking? It's in order that we can put them down and hopefully over the course of this series we can actually answer some of those questions. Because there's no point in us answering questions that you're not actually asking or your friends aren't asking. So Two minutes, chat to the person next to you. What are some of the questions? Or maybe even they may be even questions, doubts that you've got that you want to put out there and say, it's my friend. Okay. Okay, some of those questions that you've got. Or that your friends, that you might want to claim that your friends have got so you don't feel like you're, you're having to ask. <laughs> Shoot them. Anyone got any questions they would like answered? What happens when other people are healed praying to another God? Okay. Okay. That one we might, we might not answer yours tonight, but that's a very good question. But we'll, I hope. If I don't answer that question, I've done a terrible job. <laughs> it's okay to believe what I believe, just as long as you don't have to believe the same thing, essentially. Is that what you want to say, or do you want to yeah. say it in there? <laughs> it's okay. It, like, you can believe what you want to believe. Hang on. No, I haven't got a mic. I haven't got a mic. Um, that I can believe what I want to believe and you can believe what you want to believe and can't they both be true if we're not hurting anyone? How can you believe what you can't see? Um, don't all religions just end up causing wars and fights and arguments and are more hassle than they're worth? Doesn't religion cause war? Good, Stephen? The question that came back was why? Why do you go to church? Reminds me of the boy who was 
uh, one Sunday morning who was being told to get out of bed by his mum. And he said, I don't want to go to church this morning, mum. I don't want to go to church. You have to go to church. I don't want to. They don't like me there. They're not very nice people. Nobody wants me there. You have to go to church, son. You're the vicar. <laughs> That's why I'm a vicar, not a stand-up comedian. Thank you. Anyone? No, they, they're good. And Claire has made a note because I won't get round to answering some of them. Got another one, um, People say, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen? Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Don't we all pray to the same God. Are we all praying to the same God? Wow. Well, that has kept theologians going for the past however many centuries. So you've got about 20 minutes with me tonight. So we'll see how we get on. So perhaps there's another apology I need to make before we begin. Who could, <laughs> who could read for me from John 8, 31? 31 and 32. John 8, 31 32. Who would like to read that? Anyone who gets there first would be my friend. John 8, 31, 32. Nadine, thank you. had believed him Jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free thank you if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and John 14 just because Stephen sat down John 14 6 <laughs> John 14 6 John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, your man on the AVs out there quick as well. Thanks for that, How many of you were grown up, growing up, were taught about the tooth fairy? Show of hands. Talk about the tooth fairy? Yeah, you can sit down there. <laughs> uh, how many of you heard about Santa Claus or Father Christmas? How many of you heard about the Easter Bunny? Okay, a few less of you were taught about the Easter Bunny. How many of you were taught that you should always wear clean underwear in case of an accident? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Great myths, aren't they? Just in, general, just in general, it's a good thing. Matching underwear. That's obviously the, that's got to be the woman's side of things, isn't it? Matching, matching underwear. There, there are some things which are really easy to recognise as myths. Some things, you know, we kind of just get to that stage in life and we go, "Well, that's just that's just a myth, isn't it?" The, a Baptist minister friend of mine. He, um, the thing. The, still going with the underwear thing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Is the underwear thing a, a myth? Has anyone ever had an accident? Uh, no, okay, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
some things are very hard to recognise. I've lost it. Keep going, keep going. I've oh. lost it. I'm just going to come round to here and preach to you guys. Because <laughs> there seems to have been some sort of malfunction on the front row. Right. Some things are easy to recognise. Some things are a little bit more difficult. And that makes people wonder, is anything really true? And it's led people to reject the idea that there is absolute truth. Absolute truth. And to embrace the notion that everything is relative. Okay, in other words, what might be true for you may not actually be true for me. And that's okay. I think about what Joy was saying at the start. What might be true for you might not necessarily be true for me. And that's okay. In the spiritual sense, you might say that I believe in Buddhism but that it might not be true for anyone else. This is a Buddhist temple, right? Okay, no, it's Christianity, isn't it? I believe in Christianity, but that might not be true for other people. Okay, why do people reject the notion of absolute truth? You answer. Why do people reject the notion of absolute truth? Because it doesn't suit them. Have I got that down? It's hard to find. It is hard to find. There is so much out there on offer, isn't there? You have the Dalai Lama. Karl Marx. I don't know why I looked at people. I just thought maybe they might be interested in Karl Marx. Donald Trump. You know, there's just so much truth out there. It's hard to believe. It's hard to find, isn't it? Okay, thank you. What else have we got? Any reasons why people might reject the notion of absolute truth? Hang on, John. You wouldn't like the consequences. I haven't got that one down, but that's good. We'll come to that in a bit. The consequences of truth. Fearful? Where's the evidence? We've each got a different perspective. We're set in our ways. Don't want to change. Seems arrogant. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on some of that. It's really good. I also heard that there were too many charlatans. My kids helped me with the PowerPoint, by the way. <laughs> That's not to excuse how simple it was. It was because actually I couldn't actually work out how to zip things in. <laughs> <clears throat> too many charlatans. Too many people out there trying to pad their own pockets with some money for some of this truth that might be on offer make your life better. And it's easier to believe in relativism because there's no accountability to a standard. So if my lifestyle fits my personal definition of truth, then it is okay for me, even if you think it is wrong. I can drink myself into oblivion. I can get out of my face on drugs. I can be promiscuous as I like. I can even wear shorts like this that reveal these legs. And that is okay. Because it's my choice. There are, <laughs> there are limits. You could have stopped me, I, I know, drugs or something. <laughs> it's okay. So today we'll just look at the implications of relativism and the implications of the possibility of absolute truth as well. So let's have a look at that. Now you might want to disagree with me as we go along. That's absolutely fine. I would hope 
No, um, perhaps you can either kind of give me a bit of banter, that's fine, or we can have a chat afterwards, uh, and we'll see if we can come to some sort of resolution, whether we can see eye to eye. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, of course, you can just leave the church. <laughs> okay. That was, that was, for those of you who are guests here, that was an absolute joke. <laughs> that was an absolute joke. Get it? So let's start with the implications of relativism. If truth is relative, see that? All spiritual truth is valid. This means that all religions, all philosophies carry the same weight. Buddhism, Judaism, Islam, Jedi, everything carries the same weight. Sounds real nice on the surface. Because why can't we all just get along? Shouldn't we all just be able to get along in our own ways? Can't everyone just have their own little corner of their faith and their philosophy? Well, what do you do with spiritual truths that are mutually exclusive, that claim to be exclusive? What do you do with those? So like Jesus claimed he's the only way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. What do you do with that? That's a pretty exclusive claim. Islam claims that Christianity isn't true. That's a pretty exclusive claim. And there'll be loads of them if you look at different religions and philosophies. Mutually exclusive claims. How can they all be true? How can they be true for some and not for others? Jesus didn't qualify his remarks by saying, I am the way, the truth and the life for Palestinian people and for the people that are going to gather at St. Saviour's on a Sunday evening in June. But who did he claim to be the only way for? So if his truth was, I am the way, the truth and the life, who was it for? Yeah? Everyone. Everyone. Absolutely everyone. You can't have mutually exclusive viewpoints with both of them being true. One has to be right, one has to be wrong. The next implication is persuasion is not allowed. Tolerance is king, intolerance is evil. I'm a Christian, therefore I am intolerant. That's the label. I have found that people are proud of their tolerance. And angry, good sermon this morning, angry when they perceive attitudes of judgmentalism in others. People are angry about people being judgmental. And that is labelled Christians an awful lot. Okay, here's your problem. If your friends claim to be tolerant, then they have no right to judge your position as being invalid. Otherwise, they are not being very tolerant, are they? Your friends cannot claim to be tolerant. Sorry. <laughs> I like that. Is that one of yours, or is that quoted from someone else? Because I think, for the record, because we're being recorded, we've heard it before, okay. Okay. 
your exclusivistic Christianity that we are having a look at at the moment must be accepted by your friends as being a valid viewpoint if they are going to be consistent in their observance of being a tolerant person. Otherwise, they are intolerant and they are a hypocrite. But my personal observation is that tolerance is a one-way street. People refuse to be tolerant of my views in return and I get labelled as being judgmental or perhaps homophobic. We went into BP this week, a British, British, British Petroleum. <laughs> BP, British Petroleum, there you go. Second time around, much easier. Uh, it's a big uh, organisation, headquarters just down the road, mile down the road, 3,000 employees. My wife and I went in, and we're going to see if we can start a, a workplace chaplaincy there, ministering to the 3,000 people, which is going up to about 5,000 people. We've been there before as a church, and we want to try and get there again. And um, as I walked in, I didn't realise I had my collar on, um, because I was on official state business. And um, so I walked in, Crown was in the car, but... Um, and... Uh, Roe recognised that there was a particular stand there, but I, we went into the meeting room, we met with a group of people, and we had a really lovely chat, and we prayed together, and they offered to support our food bank, which was like, quite incredible, because that could bring us a whole load of food in. So that was quite amazing. And as we walked back out again, Roe said, as we got out through the front door, she said, you didn't see people's faces. So I walked through their canteen. Their canteen is... Anyone? BP employees? No, their canteen is, like, amazing. It's, like, hundreds of people all like kind of gobsmacked at me walking through the canteen with the old collar on. She said, but you didn't see the people at the pride stand as I walked in. So you know what pride is? You know, we've had a great big march for LGBTI. Okay, so their faces, they were absolutely incredulous. They obviously wondered what I was, whether I was there to pick a fight or something. Now, they were allowed by BP to have a stand to promote their viewpoint. Okay? Whether you agree or disagree doesn't, doesn't matter too much. But they were allowed by BP to have some space in their canteen to tell people about their viewpoint. So as we were chatting with this group of Christians, we said, well, that's fine. Why don't you, have, you have a stand. Because um, only minorities are allowed to have stands. I said, well, you look like you're a minority. There's only like a handful of you in this room. There's 3,000 employees here. They're not allowed to have a stand. So there's tolerance for one view and intolerance for another view. Next. There are no moral absolutes. Sorry, if I was any good, that would obviously be a little bit lower down, a bit, bit of bare space. No moral absolutes. My shorts, my choice. No one can make moral judgments on someone's lifestyle choices. But I haven't found anyone who doesn't make moral choices, moral judgments about people. I'm sure you're doing that right now, aren't you? Aren't you saying he really should have worn a pair of trousers? Yeah, Colin is definitely. 
I might judge it to be okay, you might judge it to be wrong. Both moral judgments. Okay, maybe not quite so moral with my shorts, but you know what I'm saying. But let's take it to the next step, because you need to take things to the next level to test how feasible people's logic is. If there are no moral absolutes, then Hitler, racism, rape, and everything else that disgusts you at this moment is absolutely okay. Because without absolutes, you can't condemn anyone's actions as being wrong. You have no authority for deciding right and wrong. You will find none of your friends that say that racism is okay. And if you do, you want to have a chat with your friends. You will find none of your friends that say that rape is okay according to anyone's moral code. You won't. Okay, let me ask you something. If I want to marry my mum because I love her, is that okay? No. There's something that just tells you that's not okay. I do love my mum, but I wouldn't marry her. We just know that marrying our own flesh is wrong. Is that right? Do you generally, most of you think that marrying your own flesh is wrong? Yes? 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 Is that an absolute truth that you have there? Okay, that's okay. One person saying no. Anyone else want to say no, that's not an absolute truth? Marrying your parent or your brother or your sister is not all right. And you know, what do you do for a job? What do you do for a job? You marry people. You're a registrar, right? You know what the legalities are. In every way, it's wrong. Okay, so to review, if truth is relative, there are no spiritual absolutes, no persuasion is allowed, no moral absolutes. Uh, Let's move on to the implications of absolute truth. If truth is absolute, then it can be found. Truth may be difficult to find, but it does not mean it is impossible. Truth must be objective, i.e. true for all people, universal, true in all places, and constant, true for all times. Get on it. Two plus two. Good. That's why he's a maths teacher. (laughs) If that isn't true, we is all in trouble. (laughs) Two plus two plus equals four. We are (laughs) equals five. (laughs) (laughs) I did see somebody else write this. Um, If the statement you hear is that... (laughs) There is no absolute truth. If someone says to you, there is no absolute truth, ask them, are you absolutely sure about that? 
I came across a story about Abraham Lincoln in which he was having a disagreement with another man. Lincoln asked the man, how many legs does a cow have? The man answered, four. Then Lincoln said, what if we called the tail a leg? Then how many legs would the cow have? The man answered, well, he'd have five legs. To which Lincoln replied, now that's where you're wrong. Calling a tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Truth has very high standards. Seeking truth and hoping to possess it one day is not arrogant. It's not arrogant to look for truth. It's an admission that you don't know everything. That you'd like to know the truth, the absolute truth about something. It's not arrogance, it's honesty. And if that's your attitude, then I commend you for it. Like, where can you find truth? Jesus, good. In the Bible. I can tell you with confidence that the Bible is full of truths that will change your life for the better. It will radically transform your life. The pages of this book. It's been totally relevant for your life here. In this day and age. In the 21st century as it has been for the previous 20 and for a portion of it for the 15 before that. Last week, Ben spoke about its truth, about its reliability, about the authority in here. If you didn't hear his talk, then go online. You can always go online to our website and you can find all the sermons there. Okay, I would like you to ask God to reveal the truth to you. The words true, truth, truly appear in the Bible 338 times. Jesus says 80 times, I tell you the truth. And 20 times he says, truly, you have heard it say. God believes in truth. All truth is God's truth. So if you find something that claims to be truth but contradicts the God of the Bible, it is not truth, it is error. In the search for truth, you'll need to ask yourself a fundamental question. Christian or non-Christian, Buddhist, Jew, Baptist, short wearer. What is going to be the authority in my life? What's going to be the authority in my life? What's going to be the basis for my beliefs, my behaviours? What's going to be the standard by which I evaluate my life? What am I going to base my life on? What's my authority? What is my final authority? Naturally for me, it's Roe and the kids. <laughs> Thank you, front row. When it comes down to it, you have two options. You either have everything out there, everything on offer out there in the world, or you have everything on offer in here in the Word. Everything out there on offer in the world or everything on offer in here in the Word. It's my I-M-H-O that you should begin with this. You might need some younger people to translate for us. In my opinion, I-M-H-O 
in my honest opinion. Man's opinion changes all the time. Let me give you an example. At the beginning of this talk, I quite like wearing these shorts. Now, not so much. The average lifespan of a science textbook is about 18 months. I'm looking at the science teacher to see if he wants to shout me down. She doesn't. 18 months, because knowledge is increasing so rapidly. You don't want to put your faith in something that might eventually get you to the top of the ladder, only to realise that you're leaning against the wrong wall. God's word has stood the test of time and withstood all attempts to destroy it. The Bible says the word of the Lord will stand forever. The Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. For those of you that are making notes, it's Numbers 23, 19. Numbers 23, 19 and Hebrews 6, 18. The Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. If you're serious about finding the truth, go to the source that never changes and see for yourself. Absolute truth can be found if you're truly serious about finding it. It can be found. Next, what must you do? Well, you must act upon it. It's one thing to know the truth, but it's another thing to own it as your own, to actually act on the truth. Those words of Jesus. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You notice that Jesus doesn't say, you will know the truth so you can hold to my teachings and obey them. He said, hold to my teachings, then you will know the truth. Hold to my teachings, then you will know the truth. I found that the main reason why people prefer to be to believe in relativism is to justify not following the commands of God because it's, it's easier not to follow those commands because it's going to mean some changes to lifestyle. In one of the future messages, we will look at that particular topic. I, I don't want to change my lifestyle. But I understand how you feel if that's you tonight. There are lots of things that Jesus asks of me that I don't really like. But Jesus never said it would be easy. He said it would be true and right and just and holy. And one last thing before we move on to the last thing. You need to understand that you are accountable for the truth that you know or had access to. With truth comes the responsibility to act on it and accountability for that action. You need to act on the truth you know, which leads us to the last implication, which is anything untrue must be rejected. If you know the truth, then falsehood must be rejected. Here is where a person has to recognise that some things are true and that others are not. Where you make a judgement about truth and error. Keeping the truth, rejecting the error. The other passage that we read, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is not easy teaching. You need to decide whether Jesus is telling the truth here or whether he's lying. 
or whether he's insane. If he's lying or he's insane, to be claiming he's the only way to God, then you must reject it. If he's telling the truth, then you must act on it. You cannot believe that Jesus is the only way and still believe that we're all climbing the same mountain with the same destination. You must reject those things that contradict the truth. Wow. If absolute truth exists, it can be found, it must be acted upon, and you must reject whatever is not the truth. So, three things to do this week. First of all, commit yourself to seeking the truth. 2 Timothy 4. There is going to come a time when people won't listen to the truth, but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says, but will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. Seek the truth this week. Commit to seeking God's truth this week. Just stop for a second and be honest with yourself about how much time you spend seeking God's truth in this incredible book that I'm sure you all own and if you don't, I will give you one. How much time are you going to commit to seeking God's truth written large here this week? Sometimes the truth is painful. Sometimes the truth is scary. Sometimes it's unpleasant because we don't want to face the truth about our past, where we've been, who we are, or who we've been led to believe that we are, or where we're heading, our failures. But you need to seek the truth, to face the truth, to own the truth, to act upon the truth. The second commitment I would like from you is for you to commit yourself to living the truth. It's harder to do. Truth is something you, not something you know, it's what you do. Something that you can practice, something that you can apply to your life. In the book of Ephesians it says this, We will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because somebody has told us something different or cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ. Whichever side of the argument you were on this week, wherever you stand and fall, we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because somebody has told us something different or cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ. You'd almost think those words were written to be relevant to our culture today, wouldn't you? The third commitment is this. I would like you to commit yourself to believing the truth. But I must emphasize that you must choose to believe. Jesus is calling you to choose to believe him at the expense of everything else.
Jesus said. That's pretty absolute. 